Welcome, welcome my friends to the Beggars and Brawlers podcast. This is episode number nine, recorded February the 5th of 2021. And today I have an interview for you with a man who's more legend than flesh, Mr. Mike Moogs of the Swords and Sports podcast. All right, so let's get right into it. I had a really fun talk with Mike. Um, known him for a while. I've been on his podcast a couple of times, and I thought, you know, sometimes these interviewers just need to get interviewed themselves because uh, he's read 52 books in 52 weeks, or 56, or 57 now, whatever it is. He's on this epic quest, and here I am struggling to get a book read a month a lot of times. So I wanted to pick his brain on what some of those standout books were, and how he does it, and why he does it, and to kind of talk about fantasy in general. And I thought we had a great conversation. I will give you a warning. (laughs) There's lots of bleeps in here because this is a clean podcast and Swords and Sports is definitely not. (laughs) And there's lots of dick jokes. So you've been warned. Without further ado, Mr. Mike Moogs. All right, everybody. So I'm here with Mike Moogs, the man behind the legend, 52 books in 52 weeks. And then he just decided to keep going. What's up, man? What's up? I decided to come on your show to steal all my listeners back that you stole when you were on mine. What you don't know, my beggars and brawlers, is that uh, Mike and I have a have a deep, deep enmity because we keep stealing each other's listeners back and forth. You probably didn't even know that you're being bounced between his show and mine, but that's actually what's going on. So um, stick with us. We're the best. <laughs> but no, Mike uh, has been doing this amazing podcast for uh, how long now? So I think this, we just released the 56th episode. Okay, dang. So you kind of just just made that first lap. But it's, it's crazy because he reads a book every week. And many of those weeks has interviews with authors uh, and always has a very thorough and, uh, may I say, humorous. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot of adjectives you could use to describe his book reviews. <laughs> it's one of those things you just have to experience rather than describe, but it's an entertaining podcast. Um, I, uh, I like the label non-traditional. Non-traditional. That's good. Yep. That's excellent. <laughs> so, man, so 56 books in 56 weeks now. So what, uh, what was the inspiration behind starting this? So, you know, I had zero engagement with the fantasy world outside of being just kind of a lifelong reading fan. I had never done anything like look up an author's website or try to learn anything about the like the goings on in the genre in general, but I had always had this kind of passion that occasionally I could rope someone in like a friend and Mm -hmm. force them to talk about a book with me every (laughs) once in a while. And I had started blogging just because I was so dissatisfyingly bored at my day job. Nice. And I was like, why not do write about the two things that I love, which are fantasy books and sports. And I thought these will definitely work together because it'll just be something (laughs) different. Um, that was wrong. And I've learned a lot in 56 weeks, but I, what I did learn from blogging was that I don't like writing book reviews Mm. because I had read so many book reviews and I thought, I hate the way people write book reviews. I don't, I don't enjoy reading most people's reviews. I appreciate people's writing talent. I appreciate people's analysis yeah. And I appreciate getting a general like overview of this, if this is a book I like, but I never looked at that, those things to decide what book I was going to read. I just looked at like, what was the most popular things on Goodreads or Reddit or just kind of what I had been hearing in the news. Totally. And then I thought, I'm just going to do a, sh- I'm going to do a show where I try to break all those molds of what people <laughs> expect in a review and just and just kind of talk about it, how someone would talk with their good friend, yeah. you know, without the pressure of feeling educated about it, without right. the pressure of feeling like, without the pressure of feeling judged, like this person doesn't get it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's and awesome. I decided I'm just going to do a show that just kind of goes for it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a great description of your show alongside non-traditional. Um And I feel your pain. I actually, (laughs) before I started publishing books and I was still chasing um, traditional publishers and voila, I caught one, but um, I was running a book review site too. 
and writing book reviews and trying to keep up with all the new releases and posting my reviews all over to try to bring people back so that subtly they had realized that I had these books that they needed to buy. And uh, I straight up gave up. <laughs> I was just like, this is not, I didn't have the passion that you have for it as much as I love reading. So I think it's awesome that you keep doing it. Um, but it sounds like, well, that was a direct shot at you, by the way. Okay. Just so yeah. you know. I'm a I quitter saying, and you, I read you some have of your book And I was like, this sucks. <laughs> But you know, the, the <laughs> listeners love it because I have the vulnerability to admit my mistakes, whereas you have to cover it up. Anyways, <laughs> um, so it sounds like I remember the early episodes when there were some sports in there, but it was kind of like oh, brutal. Sports for a little brutal. bit and then books. So what are what are some of the other things that you learned? Because I mean, like this was a lot of effort and time and like a lot of high quality content that you've generated. So what? Um, what came up for you after hitting that 52nd week? So uh, I appreciate the, that live and adjective of high quality. It's something. It's certainly uh, a lot of content. And, <laughs> you know, I kind of, where a lot of people go into a project thinking, this is how it's going to be. This is what my idea is. I knew that it, I was going to be learning on the fly. Yeah. of what worked and what didn't work. Obviously the sports thing, just, we just couldn't make it work. And it just, I, there's so many general sports shows and there's so many s- specific sports shows that I was like, this is shit. I suck at this, <laughs> uh, but I did, but like, I love fantasy books. So yeah. I, in order to do something, I knew the only way that I was going to get good at doing this kind of stuff was to just bombard myself with the material Mm. and make sure that I could stay consistent with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like so, consistency. Yeah. Is so I read key. a book. I read a book a week. Yeah. Some and of them I, massive novels. I had, right. And we'll get into what was the longest and the shortest. So one <laughs> of, one of the things that I knew was going to be that I needed to do was since I had no, I wasn't, I didn't even have a Twitter account when I started mm-hmm. this, you know? So I knew I was going to have to do something that was gonna catch people's attention right away. And I thought, what could be more ridiculous than reading and reviewing a book on a podcast every single week and making sure that I had never read the book before. Yeah. And we kind of learned from there. A lot of people initially said, you know, I think you're overdoing it with the books. Like, why not just like take a, a do it every two weeks or three weeks? And I thought, well, that doesn't catch anybody's eye. Everybody does that, Mm. you know, everybody has that. Like I can, I can read a book in three weeks and then create probably a better analysis <laughs> podcast, you know, then that's, there is some truth to that, but is it going to be as raw as like what, like there are times where I've literally finished the book, spent an hour doing the outline and then I've recorded the podcast, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like it yeah. gets, the deadline gets that close. It's the fresh take though. Like <laughs> I feel like it should be swords and sports podcast colon the hot takes. Well, I definitely give some hot takes. (laughs) So, I mean, on a less serious note, you know, I love this shit. Like, I love it. And one of the things that I thought was going to happen in the 52 weeks was I thought I'd get, I thought I'd be like, you know, I don't feel like doing this anymore. Yeah. Like, I hate these fucking books. I can't stand it. I'm being, (laughs) it's just the same thing over and over and over. And I didn't have that reaction at all. By the 52nd week, because that was another question. What are you going to do for the next week? I set yeah. up an interview. I was like, yeah. I'm going to keep doing this. I love this. And I yeah. only st- love it every time. There's Man. that feeling that I don't know if every reader has this, but there's different ways that a book starts for me. There's mm. sometimes where I've read three pages and I'm like, oh, this is going to be it. This yeah. is going to, I can't wait to dive into this. There's sometimes where I read it and I'm like, I like the writing. This is good. I'm, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see where this goes. Mm-hmm. And there's other times where it's just fun all the way through. Yeah. And like some of these, and you know, like those feelings are so, there's nothing that replicates that. There's yeah. nothing that replicates. There's no TV show that I watch for me personally. Yeah. There's no movie that I turn on. There's no music, maybe some music, but nothing has that feeling like, oh my God, this is great. This, I can't wait to get more. Yeah. Like, I can't believe that I get the privilege of reading this. Oh, man. That's so cool. I think it's amazing that that passion has stayed because I feel like for me, at some point, there'd be some books in there that like 
or a slog or I committed to, or I just had other things going on that week. And I'm like, okay, I got to like crush this thing, like grad school where it's like, I got to read three books this week and I don't want to. <laughs> so it's awesome that you still have the passion. I mean, I feel like you learned something about yourself there in terms of like what, uh, what really, you know, turns you on definitely turns me on you know <laughs> i was I, that's why i hesitated i was looking for I a better and i just couldn't find I it. it and i was like god he's gonna bust me on this what and, excites you it's no better anyways and then also i was you know now that that's a big thing too you know i sounded so serious for so long i and if anybody's ever listened to the show or listened to <laughs> even our interview i'm not serious at nope. all like i'm proud i think i f- around way too much <laughs> because I have fun with this stuff. I'm not trying to sound, I'm not trying to craft the perfect tweet that like, that I want people to read and think I'm so smart. I literally get the character's names wrong like all the time and I have to check <laughs> myself. I make jokes. My favorite thing is looking for dick jokes in books. You know, like <laughs> it's these stupid things that I find that I would laugh with my friends about this kind of yeah. stuff. So yeah. why not try to see if other people also enjoy books like that? I don't know. It's it's interesting. Totally. I feel like now I need to I need to like plant some uh, some dick Easter eggs for you in my in you're, my like upcoming novels. <laughs> you're not a big you're not a big dicks guy. In the I, it's books. true. I'm not a huge dicks guy in the book, but you know, you're like I'm still growing and guy. changing as a writer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think how you realize what a drugs guy you are in the books. It's crazy, isn't it? Like it, man, that stuff just comes from somewhere. Cause I, it is not an overt intention. And the book that you haven't read, the post-apocalyptic sci-fi novel I wrote first is like even more intensely about drugs. <laughs> so, you know, say what you will about my formative years. Uh, but I guess it's deep there in my consciousness somewhere. I got to write about drugs. <laughs> Um, yeah man so uh I was gonna ask like what the hardest part of it was you know like what were there like like Thanksgiving Christmas did it suck or like were there just books that you committed to or like interviews you committed to and you're like uh you don't have to name names where you're like this is not a book I want to read like what was what were the challenges so mostly I was select obviously I was select like nobody was providing me the list of books yeah. when my fear when I s- discovered this uh Spiffbo competition was once I started reading the Spiffbo finalist books my fear was by committing to reading those books that I was going to come across some things that I didn't like mm, yeah I hadn't my experience with self-published books up until that point had been Michael R. Fletcher that had been okay. pretty much it yeah. So I was like, I don't know what the quality of these books is going to be like. Yeah. And then I was like, then I had read sort of Coggin first, of course. Right. So, you know, <laughs> so you're like, wow, the they're better than trade. <laughs> right. And, you know, I was shocked. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, life, Levi, life got in the way. Life was the most difficult thing, yeah. you know? Fortunately, and this sounds ridiculous, you know, there was a pandemic that kind of cut social life out. <laughs> So there was a lot of nights where there just was nothing to do. So, I mean, it was perfect with the reading schedule. Now that things are starting, I'm not going to say that they're anywhere close to picking back up, Yeah, but you make time for things. If I'm passionate about it, that's going to be important to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted to pick up on something that you said about uh, being unsure about the quality of indies. And I mean, like Spiffo kind of like skimmed the cream off the top for you, I think, but like, uh, how do you feel about that divide in fantasy now, having read so many books? Because like what percentage of those books of the 56 do you think have been indie? Well, I was pulling up the list and I was trying to figure that out before. I would say more than half were indie wow. at this point. Wow. That's awesome. So, And I wouldn't have kept doing it if I wasn't liking yeah, it. You know totally. what I mean? Yeah. So do you feel like like it, I mean, apparently like quality is there enough that you're into it, but do you feel like um, how would you describe the difference between them? Just looking really generally, like, do you have any like thoughts on? Yes. The difference between like, in terms of. Indie versus trad. Or... Like I'm really like, I don't want to lead you on because obviously I'm on one side of this and I don't want to like plan any ideas, but like to you, when you think about it, like what are the strengths of 
each one. So I would say for the indies, something that I really enjoy about it mm-hmm. is there's freedom in the books mm-hmm. and you can yeah. feel the freedom. Yeah. I think that you're more likely to get something original mm-hmm. that I think an editor would pull out. I yeah. think an editor would cut a lot of things. I think an editor trims a story to hit a certain market and they do. I mean, I know, I know this. So yeah. like, I know that things get pulled. I know that stories get crafted to fit a mold. I know that mm-hmm. things have to, could even possibly need to check boxes to get sold. Totally. And the beauty of the indies is they don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You can end a book, not on a cliffhanger. You can end <laughs> a book without, you can end a book without setting up for the sequel. You can kill the main character in the first 50 pages. You can write curses that you might not think could get past the editor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. So, so I love, I think that it's, uh, I think it's, the indie authors who do it well, not you, of course, not kidding, um, <laughs> who do it well can, are able to channel that freedom yeah. into something original. And that's the best, to me, that's what the indie books do well. They're original. And the traditional yeah. books, you kind of know where they're going most of the mm. time. If you start the first book and you know there's a second, you know certain people are making it. You know, mm-hmm. and indies yeah. don't have to follow those rules. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting that you bring up checking the boxes because my impression of traditional publishing is they're trying to publish something that's going to hit the broadest market possible. Whereas with indies on Amazon, a lot of times what we're trying to do is find the people who really love like space opera romance involving like aliens with three heads. You know, like we get that specific. We find the thousand people in the world that love that and we're good. And like those thousand people, if you were trad published, would never make a career. But if we can find them, like, you know, there's, if, if you love a story, somebody's going to love it. But um, Daughter of Flood and Fury, actually, I uh, had an agent representing that. And his pitch for it was, this is a genderqueer YA fantasy. Um, and it's true that my character is like in between genders, even though they don't have the language for it in that world. Um, but it's like just one aspect of her personality and one aspect of the book. And he was like, play it up in these spots, like here, here, and here, we need more on that so that I can point to that when I'm pitching the editors and say, look, this is a book written for genderqueer folks. You know, like this, there isn't enough of this in fantasy. This is what we're doing. It became like, because that was the pitch, I needed to like push the book in that direction. Um, and I made a draft form like that, that he passed around and then, when I ended up firing him and decided to publish it myself, I was like, yeah, I'm not using that draft. Like it's there for sure, but I don't want to like turn this into a one issue topic book, you know, like I want to be more complex. So anyways, that's just me wanting to talk about myself and using what you said as an excuse to talk about me <laughs> during your interview. But, um, but isn't now- it funny though? That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's where it gets close to, saying things that people don't want to hear and you know if you know my podcast like i'm not like trying to be a contrarian or trying to like be difficult but i'm not afraid to say there's a specific series and uh i'm never gonna meet this guy so i don't really care but uh that really plays that really to me and this was right before i started the podcast that to me felt like everything that was wrong with traditional publishing Mm. so what you're saying when the agent is telling you to play up the copy is play up these specific points. That's what traditional publishing is now. You know, totally. and that's only the first level. Cause then once we sold it, then the editor would be like, you know, do these things to it. And that's not to say that every editor or agent would do that, but that was my experience. But they will though. I mean, for the most part, unless you have done that naturally, yeah. the editor, unless you're one of the top tier guys or gals, you know, there's, yeah. and there's only a few of them that really don't get their work touched. Yeah, you know? especially in traditional. And the rest of them, they need to uh, they need to get that sales pitch. This is queer YA, you know, and this right. has to fit that box. And that way that we could publish it in these reviews. We could publish it on these blogs. We could get on these podcasts. It could check these boxes. Yeah. And indie doesn't have that. And I love that about it. That's awesome. 
Yeah. And I, um, all right. So I got to ask you about the other side, which is what do you feel like the strengths of trad are like lay it on me? Actually I'm hybrid. So everything good that you say, like I'm embodying both of them, but for all my Indian yeah, homies, Levi, just, like, just pick the things I say and say, I'm that Mike's definitely talking about me here. Just, <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, everything that you say is potentially going to be a blurb on the cover of my next book. So what do you think are the strengths of trad publishing? I'm thinking, uh, Alicia Wanstel Burke, uh, for her book <laughs> Legacy of a Legacy of Blood. I was, I had on a podcast said something about the main character's mom being a huge bitch, and she was like, "That's the blurb for the next book." Nice. And I thought, "This is what I love about indie. This is great. <laughs> um, we can just do it." Traditional traditional books, some of them, I'm some of them are just better, like better put together. Yeah, and the plot's a little tighter, you know, there are, I mean, there's spelling mistakes in both traditional and ND. That's just what's going to happen. Like, I remember like, I mean, and I just, there's a huge published book that I'm thinking of that traditionally published. It's not, it's the name of all things by Jen Lyons. Okay. Yeah. Right. And it's missing. I forget what it's missing something huge. And I thought, you know, there's mistakes in everything, but indie yeah. books tend to have a little more mistakes. For sure. <laughs> um, and that's not a bad thing. If you could, if you could read, if you could like, unless you're, unless you're that type of person who really cares about those type of things. Um, but traditional books, they do feel a little more curtailed. Like you kind of, they're more of a comfort read in a way. Mm-hmm. I think I've read. So if I read 20 of them last year, I knew how all 20 of them were going to end, mm, you know? That's interesting. But a lot of ways, a lot in a lot of ways, like the quality of writing is for, in some cases, it's just a little better yeah. because more eyes, more eyes have written the book. You know, mm-hmm. someone doesn't just write the book. The editor has a large influence on it. Oh yeah. And they've passed through so many gates to get there. I mean, there are a lot of indies who, for better or worse, are indie published because they tried for years with trad and couldn't get in. And sometimes that's about quality of writing. And a lot of times it's about like subject matter or like marketability. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I think it's really rare to read a trad book that's poorly written unless it like is one of those that hit the zeitgeist and the trad world was like, we got to snap up this fan fiction. It's called Fifty Shades of Grey. That's what we're talking about, anyways. <laughs> oh, that book's so good. Why? I read it every week. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially. So, returning to this epic quest, man. Like, so you you lapped it. You're four weeks into the new one. Like, is it just like the never-ending journey now? Like, are you just doing this? Levi, do you have I'm things never, you're going to do different? I'm never going to stop. <laughs> I'm never going to stop. Give I'm it. gonna keep reading a book a week until I could quit my day job. That is my new. Okay. That's my new motto. Ah, uh, that's a great 52 goal. Fifty-two fancy books in fifty-two weeks until I could quit my job. That's <laughs> I the feel new like goal. Everybody like that needs to be the the actual goal that they say behind whatever they're doing is like I'm gonna do X thing that I love until I can quit my day job because that's absolutely mine. I don't even have a day job. I just have a summer job, but I'm doing this hard so that I can quit it because I just want to do what I love. And I think we'd all be happier if we did. So on the more serious note, and I feel like I've been too serious on a serious note, I'm going to keep doing it. I love doing it. I don't see a reason to, to slow down the podcast this year. The focus is going to be on shorter episodes Mm -hmm. and a lot more author interviews. Nice. Because that is where I feel like the content is more original and fun. And so that's the goal that for this year, at least, you know, I've already interviewed you. Well, I interviewed you last year and I'll probably interview you again at some point, unless (laughs) everybody hates this. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, and so that's going to be the goal. I'm going to try to do as many author interviews as I can. Awesome. That's, that's so cool. Especially for authors that, you know, like need that single boost signal boost, which are most indies is like, they can write great books and they just disappear into the ether unless um, there's a little bit of noise about them. So um, so looking back at those 52, I wanted to hit you up for some best ofs because I doubt that I definitely have not read that many books in the last like five years and maybe our listeners are there too. So instead of saying like, what was the best book of 2020? Um, 
can you think of the character that you like the most? Okay, so I have some metrics for you because okay, nice. Levi sent me a bunch of, just for the record, Levi sent me a bunch of questions, gave me some fucking homework before I came on here. That's the kind and of organized podcast I here I am, unlike Mike. <laughs> <laughs> my goal, my goal in all my interviews is oh, to drop exactly, bombs, yes. is to find, to find something on your social media somewhere and try <laughs> to start the interview by putting you on your heels. That's pretty much the goal. Um, <laughs> believe I gave me a goddamn homework assignment and That's I wasn't right. gonna do it oh, because okay. I thought I thought screw that and then I got nervous and I was like <laughs> I'm gonna do this nice. so the longest book I read last year all right the top three were Fortune's Fool I knew that one was Angela coming Board, yep. 737 pages it's a beast yep. in a good way <laughs> um Sort of Kaigen by uh, M.L. Wong is 650 pages. Man, yeah. And Black Leopard, Red Wolf okay. by Marlon James is 640 pages. So I think those were the three longest books I read. Dang. Yeah. Fortune's Fool, I knew I was having Angela on the show. That's uh, So if you want to hear what she sounds like, please you know check out a good podcast. Yeah, it was a good um, episode. <laughs> and... I knew I had to read it because like I was on a time limit. I was like, I, she's coming on the show. I have to do this. I have to finish this book. So, but that book is long, man. Yeah. And then the shortest book I read and people would question if this is even a book. So maybe I didn't read 52 books. I actually <laughs> spent a lot of nights up thinking about this was <laughs> the emperor's soul by oh, man. your hero, Brandon, Brandon Sanderson, Sanderson. <laughs> which is 144 pages on the Kindle. But it's 104 quality pages, 144. I had, I had one of my friends come on, which is also something I'm not going to be doing this year as much, yeah. is, having, is like telling non-fancy people to read the books and then just trying to make a show out of it. Oh, While interesting. It was, a ton of, it was a ton of fun. Yeah. Really hard to keep things on track. Mm -hmm. But I had a friend coming on. He's like, I'm not going to read anything over 200 pages. I was like, well, this is all I got for you, bud. So we're going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> the Amrathetis series by uh, Michael McClung are yeah. also really short. Man, so you, uh, after we recorded our last uh, episode together, we were talking and you recommended that one because Daughter of Flood and Fury kind of reminded you. So um, I started it and I'm into it. It's great. Like, it reminds me of uh, the Gentleman Bastard series by Scott Lynch, like kind of that like, you know, like seedy, but like there's a little bit of honor in the seed kind of thing. Plus like the like, just like uh like fun fantasy where like it isn't that the stakes are low but it's like you just know that you're like i don't know i feel really comfortable in the world um right. it it reminds me of i don't know if you've read these are like quite old now but uh robert jordan before wheel of time wrote conan novels and i loved those novels and they're just like they're just like romping epic good tales and i get that same feeling from the thief who pulled troubles raids and like man, this is just fun. And like, I just like, it's not a book I have to like work at. I just enjoy it. So thank you for that recommendation. It's been so good so far. You're probably one of the only people who's ever taken a recommendation of mine. Most people, because they, most people in my life aren't fanatic fantasy fans. And they're always like, can I have a book to read? And then I was like, no. So I appreciate that. <laughs> But that's, uh, that was kind of what I was talking about before when I was like the three kind of books that I, that I feel. That one's just okay. fun the whole way. Yeah, totally. You know, I just like enjoy. It's just a nice ride. It doesn't force you to think overly about it. You just drop yourself in the world and you just go along with it. Mm -hmm. And I find that to be a ton of fun. Yeah, totally. Me too. Yeah, I, I love it. And I don't really feel worried that like I'm going to get like, hit in the face with a plot twist where my favorite character dies or something i'm like you know no spoilers but uh i don't feel like that's where he's going which is kind of like sometimes i want that like especially in tv shows i want that where like uh guilty of pleasure of mine used to be the 100 like this show that's like totally made for teenagers and it just like you just know what it's gonna be and it's not challenging but it's entertaining it's like <laughs> awesome which i'm not i feel like the book uh i wouldn't say that it's not like challenging or smart but uh you know like it's it just feels fun kind of like never die did by rob j hayes it's just like this is just fun you know as Absolutely, opposed to actually, my deep intellectually challenging and uh, emotionally disturbing novels 
I think, you know, I think that, you know, I always ask inter uh, authors when they first come on the show, one of the goals of the show is kind of break the mold of like, this is what a fantasy book is. And I yeah. think that when we highlight things like that about a book, someone who's not into engaging with a book that they need to keep flipping through the appendix and right. like need to look up a thesaurus, you know, look up a thesaurus. Remember all these special yeah. terms. And I think like when people think of fantasy, like that stops a lot of people from reading it. And then I say, well, here's a book that doesn't make you do that. And it's just fun. Yeah. And I think that you're a hundred percent right about never die. Never die is a riot. Yeah. So yeah, totally. Yeah, and the I sequel have... just came out. Oh yeah. Pick that up. Robin yeah, everybody needs to pick that up. <laughs> Plug for somebody who's not on the podcast. Pons well, Gambit. Of the show as well. Pons Gambit. <laughs> he's a okay. friend of swords and sports. I guess he's a friend of beggars and brawlers. Need to have him on the show. Uh, I'll be honest. I don't think he remembers coming on my show. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say though, I was, uh, I'm really entertained by the title and I don't know if he realizes this, but back in the day, when I was a young lad, I was reading uh, David Eddings. And I think in the same series, the first book is called Pawn of Prophecy. And the last one is called Magician's Gambit. And I was like, okay, we just took these two titles and mashed them up. But it's completely not the kind of book that he's writing. So it's probably just coincidence. I also thought it was funny because I have a book called uh, Urchin's Gambit. But uh, there's only so many good words in the English language. All right, so you actually didn't do your homework. I was asking for best character, and you said longest book. Did you? No, did I you have fail? more stuff. I have more okay. stuff. All right, let's um, get it. Oh, yeah, all right. Coming at me. You think I didn't prepare? Are I you... think you didn't prepare. I'm just going to lay it out there. So <laughs> you pulled those I'm page a... numbers out of... Goodreads, ass. Yes. Um, <laughs> best characters. I wrote best character is so tough. Here yeah. we go. Tracker from Black Leopard, Red Wolf. Nice. Kelhaas from The Prince of Nothing by R. Scott Baker. Nice, okay. Oates from The Gray Bastards by Jonathan French. Mm -hmm. And Marith from Court of Broken Knives, Empires of Dust trilogy. Mm. Nice. I've got That's too awesome. many indie friends to start picking favorite characters out of the indie books. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. All of those books are like, yeah, books that I know that I've heard of and that I haven't actually read. So um, that's cool to hear about them. What do you feel like makes makes you love a character? I'm going to ask um, you these as like the wisest reader because you're so immersed in the genre that like, yeah, I'm yeah, just picking I'm your brain dumbest, as an author. I'm the dumbest reader and I only know things because of just purely it being in front of my face so much. <laughs> what makes a good character? Um, that could be a lot of things. My my the number one thing is it has to feel like a real person yeah. in some way shape or form or if it's going to be a caricature it has to be a really good one mm -hmm. you know it has to be committed to the role yeah like so the like, characters in never die kind of like the emerald right, and like, stuff right like there's so this one thing yeah. that like it's super entertaining and it's really well done if yeah. you're gonna do if you're going to do the intelligent barbarian, he needs to either be, that's my, that's actually like one of my least favorite tropes, mm. um, but it can be done well. Yeah. So if you're going to be the intelligent, like, or the compassionate barbarian, right. then he needs to be like ruthless in his mm. dealings with people. Mm -hmm. But like the turn has to come at some point. Mm. I don't know. You yeah. know, like it has yeah. to be good. Yeah. Otherwise it comes off as like, we've read this. Um, totally if you're a magic user um uh, i've said this a lot i'm not the biggest fan of just giant magic battles yeah totally. uh, i find those to be like a plot like out mm -hmm. you know what i mean because anything can happen whatever right and through the power of friendship or you know like <laughs> nipple play we're gonna be the strongest and <laughs> We're going to get out of this situation by blasting the other guy harder with a power never before seen. Oh, yeah. The power never before seen is a problem. That's where me and my homie Brandon Sanderson come in and being like, we have to tell you the rules up front so that when we do something epic, you're like, oh, yeah, I understand why that's happening. Instead of being like, I guess Gandalf can just tell the Bogrol not to come over the bridge because he's Gandalf, you know, like, yeah, which so is funny. Another cool kind of magic, but... <laughs> 
I was actually watching that today. I was like, this is kind of bizarre. <laughs> like, is, what, did, it's what like, can Gandalf do? He can light beautiful fireworks and he could stop a giant flame monster from crossing a bridge. Those are two very opposite ends of the spectrum there. Yeah, he can come back from death. <laughs> he has a ring that isn't as cool. His staff can glow sometimes. And he's got a very cool horse who likes him. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah. I think humor, like I like the self-deprecation. Yeah. Uh, but like, because I feel like that is more relatable. Or if you're going to be the elite warrior type, be f- badass with it. Don't yeah. be you like, you know, don't have that. I'm thinking I just did uh, the Rage of Dragons. Mm-hmm. And the main character in that is just Tao. And he's just like badass warrior, mm-hmm. you know, like that revenge hell sent. So I think it, like it could vary. I like uh, dudes who make a good dick joke, you know, like, you know, making fun of someone uh, uh, for not being able to get it up. Like, that's good stuff, you know? Nice. That's, just, that's quality uh, fantasy right there. You know, I actually, like, I just wrote a fight scene today where uh, Alethea stabbed somebody in the balls. So does that count? Thank God. Yeah. You're and finally, that's... you're finally achieving your peak uh, writer I, skills. I'm finally coming <laughs> around to good fantasy. Uh, speaking speaking of humor i was going to hit you up for what do you think was the funniest book that you read like it's not at the front of the fantasy genre but there is some very funny stuff in there orconomics by jay zachary yeah is by far the funniest thing i read this year (laughs) and it's not even close nice that's awesome it was just it was so absurd (laughs) and just so geniusly done that i like i was like the writing was it was just like, it just like a exercise in absurdity that was well done. And yeah. I thought, I thought that had to be the funniest thing I read this year. That's awesome. Last year. Right. And, this year has just begun. So yeah, I think humor, it's tough. If you're going to go the humor route, you need to be a good writer because yeah. you, because if you're going to go writing something that you think is funny, yeah, you better be good enough to make it funny because it's going to fall flat. Yeah. A lot of things that I find, a lot of things that maybe that was kind of on what's the difference between indie and trad. Some things fall flat in indie books. Mm-hmm. Like some things are like someone could, someone needed to put another pair of eyes because this just wasn't fleshed out enough. Right. Like some, they, they tried it and there was no one there to say like, this didn't work. So right. they're just like, this works. Yeah. Right. Like I assume whatever, like whatever dumb shit people call their alpha and beta readers, you know, ridiculous terms. <laughs> Um, you know i assume that nobody says like you know that joke didn't really land like maybe maybe rewrite this you know because that's uh, not how people talk or whatever and sometimes the editor is just like we're taking the jokes out yeah yeah or they might you know like they're gonna go through line by line and be like yes no yes no and uh, like alpha or beta readers can say like it was pretty funny but they're not gonna like show you where and why um unless you pay them yeah, that's true. Um, and then they might just do it just to fuck with you or because they want to get, <laughs> they want to seem like they're doing their job. Right. They have to say something now that they're getting paid. Right. They say uh, that's the copy editor's biggest fear is like the manuscript's so good that it doesn't look like they did anything. That's funny. Um, yeah. That's, uh, that's way too serious for me. Let's talk about magic. You also <laughs> wrote, what are the best magic systems? Yeah. And... As I, I, in my notes, I wrote low key. I actually hate magic. Um, nice. So, Reads fantasy note, hates magic. Makes sense. Right, right, right. Totally. <laughs> uh, the best magic system, I think, was Yarns World, the Yarns World mm-hmm. series by Benedict Patrick, mm-hmm. because it was the most underdone. Mm-hmm. So, the, the system of magic there was knacks. And if you just like continuously do something, you develop a knack for it nice wow you could get so you could really yourself over and (laughs) when i had him on the show i was just just pitching ridiculous shit um (laughs) so like if all you do is wash dishes yeah you could develop a knack (laughs) and you're just like incredible at washing dishes that's cool i just think that's hysterical (laughs) and now you know the natural thing to do in like 
a book would be like, well, we're going to have a character that has two knacks and that's how they're going to defeat everybody. Mm, well, he yeah. doesn't do that. So I think it's well done. That's awesome. If you had to name your own knack, if you were suddenly in the yarn world, what would it be? So I said to him that I would just keep jumping every day so I could get a knack to be the best jumper. Nice. Um, I think I'm too ADD to pull a knack in anything. Um, uh, maybe, I guess reading. That's a cop-out, though. It's not really a cop-out to read as much as you have. I mean, crushing Andalus' book in a week, like, that takes a knack, I think. <laughs> I'm going to say eating cupcakes. That's really my, uh, that's really my new knack. I eat cupcakes every single day. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, you have to keep doing it in order to maintain the knack. So, you know, like it's just, it's just strictly business now with those cupcakes. Right. It's a, it's an obsession. Never right. die. I said, had a good magic system mm -hmm. just because it was like, uh, it was like you had one technique and, and you kind of were that technique. Yeah. Chasing graves by Ben Galley had the yeah. weirdest one. <laughs> and then Swarm and Steel, which is the sequel to Beyond Redemption, which I never did on the show, but I had read, so I mm. didn't think it qualified, but Swarm and Steel I did. Okay, 53 um, books in 52 weeks? No, 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 that doesn't count. Um, <laughs> I had read that before it started, but it's okay. a Michael R. Fletcher book, and this was yeah. a standalone set in that world. Mm. And his magic system is basically like psychological disorders. So wow. mm. like if you were if you were like super insecure, you're, you could develop doppelgangers that were different parts of your personality. Oh, wow. That's and I cool. thought that that was pretty interesting. Uh, but like I said, I don't know. I mean, I like magic is one of those things, like if done, if you're going to do it, don't let it be the plot, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't, but I don't know. Like there's so many ways to do it wrong. Subtly it could be done and it could be, Subtly, like, uh, even Yarn's World is kind of subtle. The magic doesn't play that big a role in it. You know, it's kind of just like an attribute of the character. Or you could go, like, full-blown with it. I'm thinking of The Goblin Emperor by Catherine mm. Addison was one of the books we did that had no magic in it. Mm. But it was, like, it was an emperor empire of, like, goblins and elves and shit. You know, <laughs> well, and I thought yeah, that that was... Magical beasts. Right, and I thought, that's really well done. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, Game of Thrones is wildly popular and like you really don't see magic in the first book at all. And kind of somebody sets their sword on fire in the second book. Like that is a slow burn other than the White Walkers, I guess. Like the rest of it is just like, it's just a gritty medieval world. Yeah. And I think that that done well, but that can be ruined so easily by like the one time the character's in like true peril. And then all of a sudden there's magic. You know what yeah, I mean? For sure. You can't do that. Cause that kills it, man. I just don't like corny. I think like, yeah. that's really what I, and like well-written books aren't corny. Yeah. But like, I can't even say that I came across many of those in 52. I like nothing. Yeah. I, I thought I was going to hate something. I thought there was going to be <laughs> one week where I was going to be like, this book, this author. Yeah. I'm not doing this shit. I'm going to DNF it. Like yeah. I'll just pick up something else. And that never <laughs> happened. That's amazing. That's yeah. I, I will admit that I DNF stuff all the time, but I think I'm just really picky and don't have any free time. So like, I'm like in the 15 minutes before I fall asleep tonight, I need a good book. I don't need a mediocre book. Right. Um, so speaking of which, I feel like we're coming to the end of our time because the beggars and brawlers cast podcast likes to keep it short and sweet. One yeah, of the reasons that we're a superior podcast, here. stick with us. Absolutely. listeners. Um, you can actually listen to the full episode and not f yourself. <laughs> they don't DNF these episodes. Uh, they DNF mine, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> to avoid that, uh, I feel like I want to hit you with just one or two more. All right, I'm going to hit you with the hardest question that I didn't tell you beforehand. <laughs> Let's go. Where is the fantasy genre going? Or if that's a little bit too big, what do you want to see more of and what feels played out? Um, to me, what already felt played out yeah. was writing characters that hit certain, like, ah, man, how do I say this and not sound bad? Like, you know, and I'm, th I keep thinking of what your agent tried to sell your book as. Yeah. And I think 
the more we try to do those type of things, the worse the quality of the writing is going to get and the more reliant right. upon like being politically correct or something like that. Like we're talking mm-hmm. about like orcs and shit, you know, we're not to like, it's like a made up world. So yeah. I like to see people take things in different directions that I don't expect. Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons N.K. Jemison is extraordinarily oh, successful is because she wrote things that people weren't expecting. You know, totally. she, took, she took things in a direction where she could have written the book that I thought she was going to write yeah. when I was reading it and it didn't yeah. go there. You yeah. know what I mean? Totally. So but do you feel, is part of that for you, like getting away from like the European setting that fantasy was all about in the 80s and 90s? Um, I think that if you're going to do the European setting, it's got to be something different at this yeah. point because yeah. we've read, we've just, we've all read it. We all grew up on it and yeah. kind of George R. R. Martin kind of ended it for everybody. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do better than that. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, right. You're not like, if you're going to write the serious political, you know, psychological European setting book, it's not going to be Game of Thrones. So you might as well take the chance doing something you actually are like, or your strength. I think people play into your strengths. If you're really into something, put it in the book. Like let's, let's like explore your passion a little bit because that's going to come off way more genuine than writing something that we think that you think we want to read. You know, like drugs in my case, like just put drugs in every book. (laughs) And do drugs while reading it. Absolutely. And while writing it's, (laughs) <laughs> well if we look at like what's made there's the beauty of the spiff both competition is like we look at like what the people are validated not what the yeah not what the industry is validated and we see things that are very out of the norm that mm-hmm. we haven't seen in traditional publishing you know like economics one that's yeah, uh totally. that book is out there man that yeah. book is an extreme take on what i imagine dungeons and dragons is like an extreme take on like World of Warcraft. Like it's just- Yeah, lit RPG. Right. And it's just like, I'd like to see people do things that they don't, that they like doing. You know, I've like, I read European settings all the time. It's the, there's a new twist in it. And I'm like, this is good, you know? Yeah. I think we're seeing RJ Barker and he's all over the place um, mm-hmm. and he's a great guy, but like we're seeing him have a lot of success writing pirate fantasy, mm, but yeah. like, it's not that, you know, but he just loves ships, you know, <laughs> the guy <laughs> loves, he's super passionate about what he writes about and it translates to the page. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You're uh, you're super into drugs and that's what comes out <laughs> and you love water. And that's why drugs and water, man. Just get that cotton mouth. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. I'd like to see people try different things. I think we're we're tired of we're tired of reading the same thing. And you see it every year with Spiffbo. None of the books are the same. Yeah. We had three books that were had samurais in them last Spiffbo competition, and none of them were the same. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. And the book that won it, and talking about non-traditional settings, like we're sort of in ancient Japan, but they have cell phone towers and like four planes mud out of like indestructible glass. And, you know, like it was so far beyond. Well, I thought that was genius. Like I thought, like, I thought that came across really well. I mean, I obviously everybody else thought it too. I mean, shout out to her. Yeah, for sure. Totally. All right, man. Serious question. Was that it? we we wrap, we wrapping it up. <laughs> uh, I think we're wrapping it up. Uh, what is the next book on the list? What's happening next week or this week? So this week is either going to be the lore of Prometheus by nice. my man Graham King, yeah. or it's going to be Susanna Rowan Trees, whatever the hell it's called. Which she's gonna love. She's gonna love hearing that. Talk about, <laughs> talk about burying the lead or butchering it. I literally have it up on my phone. Uh, a wind from the wilderness. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and where can people find you and the Swords and Sports podcast? Oh my God! You want to find uh, the Swords and Sports podcast? You gotta hit up all the listening <laughs> platforms. I'm talking about Spotify. Okay. I'm Dang. talking about those iTunes podcasts. Ooh, yep. Amazon does podcasts. All right. The Sword of the Sports podcast is on that. Uh-huh. Google does something. I never know what the <laughs> it's called, but it's there. Uh, I just got emails from Verbal, 
which I used to send Mark Lawrence a clip of the show where an author told him to suck it. No, Uh, (laughs) that did happen, but it was jokingly. Um, (laughs) But I guess verbal Stitcher, I believe, which is something that people have told me exists. Mm-hmm. And if you really want the most recent information on the show, I know that this, I was given serious answers here. I think I fell, feel like it, it doesn't get that serious on the show. It does um, not. It's just my dour, dour, grim outlook on life this was, that's dragging Mike down. It was, uh, it was that I finally had a platform to, you know, pretend like I'm self-important and I took the chance. Uh, follow us on Twitter at swords and sports instagram which one day the accounts will be up and running again don't follow us on instagram yet it's, it's not there <laughs> they got banned but let me know talks. oh yeah and one day i'll be doing the swords and sports awards where actually nice. alicia wansdell burke's book won best boner of the year oh so, man that's great so if you want to levi if you want to include that you know have someone maybe take a water pill and all of a sudden you know they're <laughs> i'm gonna work on it i'm gonna see how i can i need to work it into the magic system because you know like drugs and magic that's what i got so really i should have written the poppy war where drugs are the gateway to magic but my bad (laughs) you were a great book Uh... (laughs) totally such a strong opening uh anyways i think we're gonna call it there thanks for coming on man it's always a pleasure to talk to you whoever's podcast we're on and uh (laughs) man good luck with the epic journey i'll see you somewhere down the line absolutely levi i appreciate it good luck with everything thank you for having me on of course all right so i hope you enjoyed that mike is a good friend and a good friend of the podcast and i've been on swords and sports a couple of times you can find links to those episodes in the show notes if you want to check them out and if you enjoyed this interview check out the swords and sports podcast it's a quick way to find some new reads or uh, get his, what did we say, unconventional take on the ones that you have read, if you're interested in that. So uh, hope you enjoyed our first ever interview. I had a lot of fun. And with that, it's on to the next book. Read on, my friends. For more information on Levi Jacobs and his books, including the award-winning Tide Collar Chronicles, please visit www.levijacobs.com. Or for a free audiobook, only available to podcast listeners, go to www.levijacobs.com slash free. Thanks for listening and read on.